Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, it is officially spring, score one for the good guys, which means warmer weather, which means you don't need as heavy a clothes. So maybe you may want to lighten up your wardrobe a little bit by head over to Leon Tailoring. That's right, maybe a nice spring jacket or maybe a nice pair of slacks or trousers or perhaps a nice spring dress uh, for the ladies in our audience. No matter what it is, Leon Tailoring can take care of all your spring needs. So spring on over Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. So your thoughts on the budget? Well, uh, I think we've seen a significant increase uh, of difference from the House version of the budget. Uh, some of what our Democratic caucus is very pleased with. Uh, we're pleased with the increase of complexity funding that Senator Mishler has included in, in this school funding formula. However, we still have some concerns when it comes down to the property tax sharing with charter schools. We know many of our school corporations are in impoverished areas. Uh, they're still struggling with assessed value. They still struggle with a variety of funding issues. So that's something that we're going to keep an eye on. Um, when we look at other aspects of it, we are pleased with a variety of the things in terms of uh, on my way pre-K. I know Senator Cadora here has been working very closely on that over the, over the few years. Talk a little bit more about some of the concerns that you have about the charter school funding proposal. Well, when we look at a variety of issues, such as in my district, I know Lake Ridge School Corporation, uh, Gary School Corporation, who would be exempt from this because there's an exemption of virtuals as well as school corporations that have um, uh, that are in a distressed status, and that will be Gary and now Muncie leaving that status. But still, there are school corporations, even rural school corporations, that have low collection rate, low assessed value. And having to share that with other uh, entities, I think, will be uh, a disproportionate share. Senator Mitchell told us that any revenue that would be shared would come from the increase, not where they are right now. So schools really wouldn't lose any property tax value per se, just be forced that increase. Well, I think everyone is looking for an increase. I think right now, as we look at current traditional public school educational entities, uh, they're hoping to get an increase. Uh, most of the economic development projects that we're passing with the support that we're doing with uh, over a half a billion dollars to IEDC is to help increase uh, collection rate and assessed value in a lot of school corporations' footprints. So uh, that's what we've been fighting for, for economic development and growth. So I know a lot of the school districts are looking for that as well. So to share that uh, will be uh, it will be complicated, right? So we're trying to figure that out within our caucus of how we can come reconcile with that issue. Does the caucus prefer the grant way of funding charter schools that way, we, or is it not, just a... We do not support the House version. Let's put it like that. Okay. I didn't know if it was just a flat opposition to charter schools. No, I think right now this is a new model that hasn't been fully vetted and discussed. And I think it draws concern in terms of those with low collection rate, low assessed value right now. We have to figure that balance out. We're waiting. We Just like many of you, we received the budget around midnight last night. So we're still digesting and looking at this as a caucus ourselves to figure out what the school runs look like across this, our districts and see what that impact is going to look like. So on, public, on public health funding, uh, does it look like $75 million and $150 million is the best we're going to get in well, the budget? In our amendments, we offered them a solution. We gave them an opportunity to accept our uh, cigarette tax increase at $1.50 per pack. That would have addressed Senate Bill 1, fully funding that. That was fully fund Senate Bill 4 as well. So uh, they had an opportunity right now, and you heard the comments from Senator Charbonneau, Senator Kreider, that they supported increasing cigarette tax. And we had the amendment to pull that, push that button right now to make that happen. So uh, we're going to continue to push 
that on the Senate floor, and hopefully we'll come to a conclusion there. So the, 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 the only problem with a cigarette tax increase is it's a diminishing return because the more we raise the tax, studies tell us that fewer people will smoke. So is that a good long-term solution? I think it's a piece to the puzzle. I think uh, the cigarette tax increase in addition to the 988 solution, I think will be fully addressed that issue. If I may chime in just really quick, on the public health piece and mental health funding, the, there was a commission that was established to study behavioral health impacts on the state, untreated behavioral health issues. And the economic impact to our state is $4.2 billion. If we are sitting on surpluses to the tune of three-plus billion dollars, then the argument shouldn't be how to fund it. It should be we need to fund it to address all of these crises across the state in public health and mental health. We rank in the bottom five nationwide in public health. I mean, it's a crisis, so it's extremely important, whatever the mechanism is, that whether it's the surplus or the cigarette tax increase or the 988 fees, we can't afford a reluctant leadership and not to fund these initiatives. Do you think uh, the, the oh. funding level is inadequate that they're proposing now? Do you think those funding levels are inadequate for both those uh, programs? Well, I think it's a start. Um, as we continue to negotiate with the House, as we look at the cigarette tax increase, as we look at the 988 fees, uh, I think a comment was also made in terms of the overall funding uh, and an increase in Medicaid spending, right? But with the reserves that we have, we can increase funding in overall education. So that shouldn't have a direct impact. So this is the opportunity, this budget session, which should put Hoosiers as a priority. What do you uh, think if there was no property tax relief in this budget, Bob, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's still a discussion that we're going to be having right now in this session. I feel uh, those senior citizens that are looking for relief, I think that's a discussion that we've also be keep, keeping at the forefront with 65 and older. Uh, we also have to look at the income intake as well. What do you think of the $10 million that originally was going to go strictly to Martin University and now is basically turning into essentially a scholarship program for uh, minority and first-generation low-income students? Well, I know that Martin University, uh, Senator Hunley and a variety of other our caucus members have uh, the university in their footprint in, in their area. Uh, so we'll be talking with them to figure out a solution. But I think as of the conversations goes right now, uh, college retention rate is extremely important, especially among minority students. Right? So I think this program can target that. I think having a solution to see what we can do in addition to help Martin University, I think, would be part of that discussion as well. Back to Senate Bill 1, um, when it was voted on on the floor, uh, all the senators have talked about it. We're talking about the 988 crisis system, um, place to call or people to call, people to respond, you know, that thing. Um, do they understand that the current budget and the House budget doesn't fund that right now? Uh, I'm sure they are very aware that it does not fund that. And that's why our amendment is going to be a piece to this funding solution. Um, at the end of the day right now, this bartering and negotiation with the House is going to be ongoing to the very last hour of session, and you all know that. So I'm optimistic, based off the conversations I've had with Senator Kreider and Senator Charbonneau, that we'll come to a solution. This is extremely important for Hoosiers across the state because we know that uh, a variety of the issues, encounters with police, uh, and having the infrastructure from a mental health perspective. I know Senator Kador and I attended several town halls around the state around this issue. So I'm optimistic that we'll come to a solution. They rejected both of your amendments for CCDF and for On My Way Pre-K, but they do have a tax credit for employers who pay for child care. Do you know, is that enough or do we need to be doing more on child care? It's not enough. I am supportive for an employer tax credit, especially for small employers and businesses 
under 50 uh, full-time employees, and I supported these types of ideas in the General Assembly. My biggest concern is, again, this is not a political issue. It's not a Republican versus a Democrat. Most research institutions and educators have confirmed that investing in early childhood education is the most strategic investment to be sure that we improve high school graduation rates and college enrollment rates. Um, so I, I think it is much more uh, strategic rather than just investing hundreds of millions of dollars at the back end of the workforce system and the educational system. We need to upskill people and we need to invest in workforce development, but I think it's much more strategic to invest upfront in early childhood education. And you only, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but your amendment was increasing eligibility, not necessarily funding. You know, do we need to follow up with funding? Absolutely. You cannot just increase the eligibility without the funding, and this is an appropriations committee. This is where we would discuss budgets and, and um, uh, how much we can allot to those to those programs. My, my biggest concern is the inconsistency of the policies. So for example, on the voucher program, the House proposed budget had a 400% increase of the free and reduced lunch, which is not the same as 400% of federal poverty line. 400% increase of the federal, of the free and reduced lunch equates to approximately 742% of the federal poverty line. So we have an inconsistent policies currently under the current voucher program that we say one student may qualify to go to a school uh, and qualify for funding if they make up to 160 plus thousand dollars under current law. But if you make $30,000 a year or more, you are too rich in the eyes of the state of Indiana to send your child to a high-quality early childhood education. That's an inconsistent policy that I would like to address. If I could say this, and in closing, you know, we want to thank Senator Mitchell again. I think yes. over the last two budget cycles, Senate Democrats have been working with uh, his caucus to make sure we represent our districts and we get as much as we can for Hoosiers in the state budget. As you all know, this is just a starting point for the Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans because the budget just became available for us to digest. So we're going to continue to go through it. In caucus today, we're going to have discussions to figure out where do we collectively stand and how do we protect those items in the budget that we feel the need to move forward and make improvements on it. So I uh, just encourage everybody to stay tuned and stay engaged with this process. We appreciate right. it. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.